you're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, and Lydia. Hey everyone, Mitch here, and we have a special edition of The Geek Awakens for you this week. Uh, so on March 4th, the gang and I went up to Peoria, Illinois for PeoriaCon. It was our first time there, didn't really know what to expect, and it blew away all of our expectations. It was a really, really fun time. Uh, we also had the chance to talk to a couple of the vendors who were there, and you're going to hear those interviews here in a second. Uh, we also uh, did a seminar so we are bringing all of that to you. Um, be excited. Uh, you are going to hear interviews from, uh, in this order, uh, Kez, uh, Cornstock Theater, uh, who is putting on She Kills Monsters, uh, Barbara Lee, Sam Conklin, Phoenix Dawn Creations, and then we're finishing it up with our seminar, which was an edition of Guilty Pleasure Dumpster Fire uh, on 2015's Fantastic Four. Um, hopefully you are in for as much of a treat as I think you are. Um, and also, full disclosure, we could have interviewed a few more people, but um, I didn't bring like an external battery for my cell phone and it, the, the battery was getting lower than I felt comfortable with. So hopefully those people that we had our eyes on, uh, we'll see them at future cons and we'll get to talk to them then. Uh, but enjoy and we will see you next time. I am Matt with The Geek Awakens and I am here with Kez, uh, webcomic writer, mm -hmm. artist, Tell us a little bit about what you've, going, what you've got going on and how you came to be here. Oh, thank you very much for having me on your show, Matt. Good. So I am here as a member of the Spider Forest Webcomic Collective. We're an independent collective, so every single member owns their own work and self-publishes on their own websites that they own. So here I have represented uh, five different of our anthologies. We publish one of these every single year. The group gets together and decides on a theme. The theme is the name of the anthology. As my own work here, I also have the story What It Takes, and this is a post-apocalyptic action adventure. It took me 12 years to finish this work, which I have worked on the Spider Force webcomic collective wow. the entire time with it. So this past uh, August, I did a Kickstarter, okay. became a project we love, managed to get to a stretch goal, and it is now beautifully bound in a single hardcover volume. So that story is completely finished. It is rated R. No children, please. <laughs> That's incredible. That's a long time and a yes, lot of work. Quite a lot of work. That's fantastic, though. So your, your work is available on your website, and then you have other stories in the Spider Forest correct, anthologies? Correct. So um, every single Spider Forest member has their own website where they show their work for free. Okay. So what it takes is available online for free to read. The extra stories, however, are also in the hardcover edition. The anthologies are not free to read. They're in the books only okay. to sell. But the each artist or writer or team, you know, most of us are artists and writers like me. Mm -hmm. Some people are part of a team and they all have different comics on their websites that okay. are free to read for everyone. Right. So... Why webcomics? Why did you get started there? Uh, I've always loved telling stories. Okay. And I always have loved seeing the stories. 
I've never been one of those people who growing up was told that, you know, comics are for children. I grew up with ElfQuest. It was a very, like, adult comic that I accidentally <laughs> discovered in the third grade. So ever since then, I was completely ruined. And I've just loved graphic novels ever since. And my sister one day was like, why don't you make your own? I was like, that's brilliant. I'll do there that. You go. And right. that's how it all started. Well, give our listeners a little bit of where we can find you and how we can get a hold of your stuff if they're not able to come to Peoria Con. Yeah. So I'll put out the plug to Spider Forest first. So that's spiderforest.com. You can find all of our work there. My work you can find at acityinaplace.com. And again, rated R, so no, no kids. But the entire story is there. Um, and you can also purchase the book online if you are interested. Fantastic. Well, thank you much. Thank you very much. Thank you much. I accept. We're we're so good at this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. Um, enjoy the rest of your con, and I, uh, I look forward to digging into all of this. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate this, Absolutely. Matt. Hey guys, Mitch here with Michelle and Kenny uh, with Cornstock uh, Theater. Uh, but you guys are here promoting a pretty interesting production. Tell tell us about uh, She Kills Monsters. Yes, uh, She Kills Monsters, basically our main character, her family dies in a car accident, and uh, to get to know her younger sister who passed away, she plays through her sister's final D&D campaign right there live on stage. Uh, so we have masks and uh, monsters and sword fights and all sorts of things. That's amazing, and especially like with sword fights and things like that, like how much... How much you know preparation time does that something like that take? Um, it takes a lot of rehearsal, a lot of pre-work to you know choreograph the fight and then do the fight with the cast members and then rehearse the fight. And um, we've got actually, I think all of our fights or almost all of our fights are underscored by music as well. Um, That's so cool. Yeah. So there's also the timing portion there, um, and then we have to obviously do the rest of the show also. <laughs> Nice, awesome. So when uh, when does She Kills Monsters uh, premiere? Yeah, we open next Friday at um, seven thirty, as I believe when our show starts, and next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at two thirty. <laughs> Sorry, and then the following weekend, uh, so the seventeenth and eighteenth at seven thirty, and then the nineteenth at two thirty. That's awesome. And Cornstock Theater, as you can see here, it's celebrating its seventieth season. What else? What else do you guys have in, in store? <laughs> She's going to pass it off to me now. Um, so right after She Kills Monsters, two weeks or maybe three weeks after, we're doing our uh, winter kids show, which is The Wind in the Willows. Um, it's a production where everything is done by um, kids aged 7 to 18. Uh, after that, our 70th season is our 70, 70th summer season, uh, which happens out in the park under a tent, a uh, big circus style tent. These two shows are indoors in the round, so everything is in the middle and the audience sits in a circle around. Um, same at the tent. Um, and our, uh, we've got five shows this summer, four musicals, and one play. And you can find all of that on our website, cornstocktheater.com. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Enjoy the rest of the con. Yeah, thanks. I am Matt. I am here at Peoria Con, um, and I'm here with uh, Barbara Lee. Yes. And Kind of wanted to just talk about all the different things that you've got going on. Um, our friend Kez uh, pointed me in your direction with the web comics and kind of how you got started. Um, so just give us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and why. Sure. 
I, I, I big shout out to Kes because she's always been a big cheerleader. I started in web comics back in the um, mid two thousands. I was doing a web comic called Talisman, um, and then uh, we had a publishing deal that fell through, and then I kind of switched gears and started doing a comic called Xylia Tales. Okay, and that was part of uh, the Keen Spot team, and it was also on Spider Force for a while, um, and just due to personal things, I was mm-hmm. raising two kids and. Um, kind of got out of that, but I've always loved doing uh, comics. I also do characters. I do all kinds of cartoons. I'm a professional illustrator. So um, now I'm kind of doing, uh, getting back into the fairies. Okay. Xylia Tales was yeah. a fairy story. And working on some, uh, these are major arcana from uh, Tarot Decks, which a friend of mine is uh, very w- cool. Wiccan. And she's a kind of, it's kind of a gift for her and going forward selling mm-hmm. those but yeah. um also uh recently i <laughs> had a wonderful yeah. project uh oh no sorry about that working with um a local power company and creating a comic for young girls that are interested in science and this was a really fun project um and we've got two issues of it and uh we're selling those here to okay. raise money for fantastic who's woods Awesome. So, yeah. Um, well, give everybody a little bit of info on how we can find you online or sure. if, like, your webcomic, where that's available. Um, my webcomics are currently not available. Okay. I'm hoping to make those available again soon. I'm looking at maybe doing something that is uh, possibly slightly animated okay. or with music. Oh. Um, kind of working on that. Uh, but my it, to see any of my work, it's Barbara Lee Art and Design. It's... With the A, not like Barbara Streisand. <laughs> Barbara Lee. It's BarbaraLeeArt.com. All right. Well, thank you very much hey, for taking you, time Matt. to talk to I us. I appreciate it. Um, enjoy the rest of your con. Thank you. And uh, you too. we'll take a look at what you got online and uh, okay. enjoy. Thank, thank you. you. Hey, guys. Uh, I am here with Sam Conklin, who is an artist and also is here with uh, your new uh, like graphic novel. I, I don't know if it's new. It's new relatively. I mean, so I published it, self-published in 2021. It's called Now and Forever Nia. And yeah, it's been a wild ride. Nice. How's your con going so far? It's going so far so good. The last couple of events I went to were kind of smaller and it wasn't like a convention. It was more like a toy show. And so I go and it's like, I'm like, I'm going to take a chance. I'm an artist, but most people were selling collectibles and it just wasn't the right fit. But Peoria Con is definitely a favorite of mine. Nice. So let's talk a little bit about Now and Forever, now and forever Nia. What's, what's this book about? So this book is about um, a single father who has to raise his daughter on his own. Uh, what he learns at the very beginning is that he, she's a target um, by these supernatural monsters. They're coming in to attack her, and he's like, ah, I have to save her. He's just a normal dude. He's a human. He doesn't have any powers. It's not a Harry Potter situation. He's just got to like smack him with a baseball bat and hope they stay down. But the thing is, Nia's growing up, and she doesn't know that he's doing this for her, so it causes a rift in their relationship. And the whole thing is kind of representative of over... Um, over-careful parents who are like overprotective of their children. What's it like to be that parent? And also, what's it like to be a child in that situation? Nice. And that sounds so amazing. And like, at the same time, kind of relatable. I mean, not not completely. I mean, I don't have people chasing me, but like, I'm sure <laughs> growing up, my mother did way more things than I knew about. Yeah. Well, the thing is, the idea when I was writing it, I'm like, yeah, this all makes sense. I look back, I'm like, it makes a lot of sense because I'm thinking... Parents, they see dangers that kids literally don't see. And sometimes when your parent is overprotective or they're a helicopter, they see dangers that nobody else sees. They're like, oh my gosh, my kid, I need to protect them. It's like, 
that dude was just crossing the street. He's not going to go after you. Like, you're fine. And so it's sort of representative of when you, when a parent is too anxious and focuses on that stuff, it takes away from the child's experience. And then the child is like, what's going on, mom and dad? Why can't you be cool? And sort of representative of that. That's awesome. Now, um, you're not here just selling your book, but you also have, you, you've got some other art stuff. Tell us a little bit about, you know, like your inspiration, I guess. Like what, you know, what, what motivates you with, with some of this artwork? You know, I've always been a fan of conventions. I went to my first convention. It was a local one when I was in high school, and I realized, oh, cosplays are a thing. Oh, conventions are a thing. My first co big convention I went to was C2E2 in Chicago. It is massive. I was blown away by all of the booths and all of the art. I knew I liked to draw, but I didn't know at that point I wanted to do art. I actually studied animation um, at Bradley University here in Peoria, and so I grew up in Chicago, came down here. I fell in love with this city. So now I'm traveling around to conventions both in Peoria and in Chicago. So I have my uh, book, and then we have stickers, we have prints. I'm just kind of drawing fandoms, but putting my little spin on them to make them fun and modern, and I can connect with everybody that way. Nice. How can people find you online? They can find me online. Right now, I'm really pushing my Instagram. My Instagram is at Conklin Comics. It's C-O-N-C-K-L-I-N, and then comics. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to actually launching a brand new comic in a couple weeks called Blue Witch Malazoo. Nice. Can you tell us anything about that? Yeah, so it is about a, um, I started the comic in 2018, and then kind of things kind of fizzled out because I wasn't sure what I was doing. I launched Nia, and now I'm more confident. Now I've got a few more years under my belt. Uh, Blue Witch Malazoo is about a sassy plus-size witch who was in the past and being pursued in, like, Europe, and then she ends up in a modern-day college campus, and she makes friends, and she learns all about how to be confident, how to find happiness. Nice. Can't wait. Um, Sam, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Um, if you're in Peoria Con or if you see her at any other con, pick up now and forever, Naya. Pick up one of her amazing business cards. Um, we keep talking about how much they're amazing. And, oh, that's good. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, enjoy the rest of your con. Thanks. You too. Well, I'm Matt with the Geek Awakens. I'm here with Phoenix Dawn Creations. Um, how are you enjoying the con so far? Really well. Um, PeoriaCon is one of our favorites for the Midwest circuit. Awesome. Um, and this year continues to be just as impressive as, honestly, every year we've been here. Yeah, I absolutely love this one. It's definitely one of our favorites. We love coming here. Yeah, this is our first year. We are very impressed with the turnout, Every all the different vendors. So uh, looking forward to continuing around. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what you do, how you do it, um, and how you kind of got started. Uh, well, do you want to take this, Jill? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, we've always liked crafting, and we kind of have crafting ADD. So we started off doing a lot of different things and basically kind of honed in. So now Callie does all of our amazing resin work. Um, okay. She uses the epoxy resin, so it's very sturdy. Um, and then I actually do the hand-decorated dice boxes. So okay. they come with dice, and honestly, they look really cool. So, yeah. I always get upset when she puts the uh, cake boxes in front of me because <laughs> I look at it, and I'm just like, okay, you need to tell me immediately if this is real cake or danger cake. <laughs> because I'm about to find out in five seconds if you don't. <laughs> and then I want cake at the end of the day. I'm just like, damn it! <laughs> I'm not making cake. <laughs> No, those look amazing. They really do. Like, they look like real cake. That's fantastic. Yeah, and that, that's kind of my problem is I'm like, now I'm just hungry. So then I'm in, like, in my like, whole setup in my resin where I'm, I have my uh, half, half uh, mask respirator <laughs> and my safety goggles and everything. And I'm just like staring at it. And I'm like, I can't do anything but pour resin right now. <laughs> You're making me hungry. How dare you? <laughs> 
Oh. No, they look great. There's all the different themes and the dice that come with. Is that right? Yep. Okay. And the dice match the general theme of what you've got going for the boxes. Yep. Love I that. I try to match it, at least the colors if I can. Okay. And then for the resin, what, dice trays? Yep. And kind of a little bit of everything? Yeah. Um, so for the resin, I mostly do a lot of keychains, um, but I also do uh, shakers. Okay. Um, so there's a few pieces that'll have items in them. Um, like I have, uh, like one of the little Maneki Neko has uh, feathers in its tummy. Okay. Because I have a kind of weird sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> and they're fun to shake and make, they make great noise. Oh, yeah. They're excellent for um, fidgeting. They're excellent for, like, stimming. Awesome. Um, and then, of course, the dice trays. And I actually want to expand into more dice trays. Okay. Uh, right now, I have the D20s, and I actually have Sailor Moon bows. Um, but I kind of want to try... Oh, and the feathers. But <laughs> I do want to get into more. All right. Well, awesome. Everything looks great. Um Give everybody a plug. Tell us where we can find you and how to get a hold of some of the awesome things that you've got here. Um, we are we have all of our stuff uh, on phoenixdawncreations.com. We do have our own website. All right. um, we're currently working on revamping the website, okay. but we, it does have the links to our social media. Um, and you can find us on um, Instagram at phoenixdawn underscore art. Um, or we are Phoenix Dawn Creations on Facebook. Um, and then Jill actually currently posts a lot of her stuff, uh, the boxes and things, on... Um, TikTok? TikTok, yeah. Uh -huh. yep. what's, your, what's your username on there again? Um, it is H-V-I-T underscore creations <laughs> at TikTok. I apologize. I am new to TikTok. Please. So are I'm we. Old, so. <laughs> please, please excuse for not me for not knowing the tick -um talk Okay, I'm working on it. <laughs> we're, at that, we're at that perfect age of like we think we're cool and then we're like oh no we're not they're gonna find out I, i'm not even gonna pretend that i am so <laughs> thank you for taking the time to talk to us i hope the rest of the con goes well for you and for you too. Uh, yeah have a good time thank you so much it's great meeting you guys yes thank you so much <laughs> Is it a guilty pleasure or is it a dumpster fire? All right, hello PeoriaCon. Uh, uh, my name is Mitch. Tabitha. Matt. <laughs> and Lydia. And we are The Geek Awakens. Uh, we're a podcast that's based out of Springfield, Illinois. And we cover pretty much anything pop culture, geek culture related. Um, movies, TV, comic books, real books, video games, you know, you name it. Um, one of the segments that we do on the show from time to time is called Guilty Pleasure Dumpster Fire. Uh, we take a movie that hasn't been super well received, uh, and we decide it's fate. Uh, so we're going to do that today with uh, a little film from 2015 called uh, Fantastic Four, or uh, as the logo says, uh, Fant for Stick, which, when I was making my notes for this, uh, Spellcheck kept wanting me to say, like, the word kinda was misspelled, but the faint four stick, Microsoft Word had no problems with that. Little, little weird. So, if you're not familiar with this movie, Fantastic Four, uh, all Reed Richards wanted to do was to make a difference in the world. Uh, with the help of his friend Ben Grimm, uh, the two boys spend their childhood creating a teleporter, which gives Reed a chance to join the Baxter Foundation. With the help of Dr. Franklin Storm, his son Johnny, adopted uh, daughter Sue, and former protege Victor Von Doom, 
The team finished the Quantum Gate project, uh, which would send a ship to a parallel dimension. After some drunken hijinks, Reed, Johnny, Victor, and Ben take the Quantum Gate for a joyride, end up on Planet Zero, and explore a bit before the ground starts to erupt with a green lava-like substance. Uh, with the help of Sue, who got left behind, the team must uh, leave Planet Zero, uh, presumed dead, the boys leave without Victor, and they end up with unexplained powers, uh, which come in handy when their old friend comes back. So, this wasn't the first time that we've seen a live-action Fantastic Four. Uh, there were two other attempts to bring Marvel's first family to the big screen in the early 2000s, uh, and so 20th Century Fox decided to try again. Uh, it was released on August 7th, 2015. Uh, it was projected to take, to take the top spot at the box office for its opening weekend um, and make somewhere between 40 and $50 million in its opening weekend. Uh, however, it earned less than $26 million and came in second to Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Uh, and it just wasn't the, just the fans uh, who weren't feeling fantastic about this movie. Uh, overall, critics knocked it for its dark tone, cast performances, uh, loyalty to source material, or lack thereof, and special effects. Uh, it currently sits at a 4.3 out of 10 on IMDb, uh, and its Rotten Tomatoes tomato meter score is 9%. So, if you don't remember, uh, Fantastic Four stars Miles Teller as Reed Richards, Michael B. Jordan as Johnny Storm, uh, Kate Mara, who was also in Shooter and The Martian, uh, as Sue Storm, Jamie Bell, uh, Billy Elliot in Rocketman as Ben Grimm, and Toby Kebbell, uh, who was also in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and Warcraft as Victor Von Doom. Uh, it was also co-written and directed by Josh Trank. Uh, so, it's clobbering time. <laughs> Is this movie a guilty pleasure or a dumpster fire? So, let's start off. Uh, what is our uh, personal history with the Fantastic Four? Tabitha, let's start with you. Uh, this is not the first time I've seen this movie. This is not even the second time I've seen this movie, nor is it the third time I've seen this movie. Um, so I have watched it more than once, obviously, uh, and I had about the same experience I had the other three times that I watched it. Um, this is the first time I've seen this movie. Um, as far as the rest of the Fantastic Four, I watched the first movie iteration, uh, comic books, that I've ever read, I don't know, more than one issue? I mean, I know who they are, I know what their powers are, but I, I don't know. It's just not a, it's not a family of superheroes that ever really was able to pull me in. Uh, this is the first time I saw this one, and I haven't really read any of the comics before, um, but I have seen both of the live actions that came before it, and... <laughs> I honestly wish I'd watched them this time around, but we'll get to that later. So, I don't have much knowledge or much background with Fantastic Four. Um, I've had a working knowledge, like Matt said. I, I know who they are. I know who their powers are. I know that, you know, Doctor Doom is their, you know, arch nemesis. Um, I actively tried to read the comics a few years ago. I enjoyed them, but it's just, it's one of those books that just, it gets farther and farther down my pull list. Um, what about you guys? Do you have any, like, background with this movie? Is Fantastic Four, like, you know, oh my gosh, they're my favorite, you know, Marvel superheroes or anything like that? Okay. <laughs> so you were in the right place. <laughs> so, 
guilty pleasure dumpster fire. We basically break this into four different parts. You know, like what works about this, about the movie. What doesn't work about it. Um, you know, if we've had any, you know, previous viewings and how it holds up to it. And then finally, we decide: is it a guilty pleasure or is it a dumpster fire? So let's start off. Um, let's talk about the good first. What works about this movie? Matt, we'll start with you this way. Um, there were a fair number of jokes that landed quite well for me. Um, I, I did actually go back and watch this a second time and took notes. Um, so I made sure to mention everything. Um, the joke about the flying car, um, by the teacher, love that. That was a great nod. Um, I, at this point I'm just going to go from the beginning to the end of the movie because that's what my notes are. Um, when... Reed and Ben are in the garage, and they are putting everything together. They're running the machine for the first time, and you cut to this little scene of his uh, processing power. It's all N64s. That's fantastic. I love that. That's just a great little, like, I don't know, pop culture nod. Um, the, the little fire flower that shows up on Johnny Storm's mirror in the car. I mean, I know that it's like mixing fandoms, but that's that's great. That's a great little touch. Um, there is... Okay, now I'm looking for my notes. I don't even remember. Um, do, 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 do. This is classic us, isn't it? <laughs> um, I don't know. I the CGI in this, I expected to be a lot worse than it was, um, just because it didn't have Marvel's current budget. Um, you go into a Marvel movie, an MCU movie, MCU movie now, and you expect the best of the best. This was one of those properties that Marvel sold off. They were trying to stay afloat, so that's why this is even not a Marvel property at this time. Um, and knowing that, like, you just didn't expect the CGI to be the best? I don't know. I thought for being, oh God, seven years old, eight years old, that it really wasn't all that awful. It didn't have, it had a few moments where it could have been better. I think we all know that. Um, but overall, like, I don't know. The CGI was good. Um, I will also comment on the soundtrack being one of those things that worked well. Um, I didn't really expect the powerful orchestral score that it was, um, but that seemed to really fit with what they were going for. Me next. So. All of my list of stuff that I made notes on throughout this movie, I literally have like two things that I can look at on this list and go, oh, those are good things. <laughs> so one of them being, at one point, they uh, comment on the fact that you know who Neil Armstrong is, you know who, he was the first man on the moon, all this, but you never talk about who built the spaceship that got him there in the first place, and no one talks about them anymore. And that's one of the things that they make a big deal about, that they want to be the ones that not only built this, but are the ones that are known for it. It's like, that's something you don't really think about as far as anything like that happening in real life. 
And then, like, the only other thing I have on my list that is good is that awkward little, like, selfie he takes with the, the project in the background that's in the bed because it's just like, oh, that's awkward and cringe, and I totally have done that before in my life. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess the other, like, there is one other thing that didn't make me smile because I was just laughing at the fact of how stupid it was, and it's at the end where, like, everything's being sucked into this vortex, and it's like, oh, this entire forest is being sucked into space, but I'm just going to run away. That's going to save my life. Perfect, perfect human logic there. Good job. So I want to comment briefly on the, the selfie thing. Uh, we, we had talked about this before. Like, this movie, you know, it's less than a decade old. But that scene, like the phone that he's using, it's like it's not recognizable anymore. Like the, how how much that technology has advanced just in that little bit of time. Um, Matt, one of the things I really liked about this movie was one of the things that you pointed out was it, it did have some really good Easter eggs, and that uh, fire flower was one of them. It was like okay, this is a nice little bit of foreshadowing. Um, also, I really enjoyed Jamie Bell as Ben Grimm. He pulled off the, not the smartest guy, but not the dumbest guy in the room. He pulled off that role really well. Um, I also, like, even though they played with the source material and the continuity and everything like that, they played with it a lot. But the at the heart of it with Reed and Ben's friendship still being there, I, I appreciated that. I thought that they did a really, really good job with that. Um, I also... For the most part, I kind of liked Doom as a as a villain. I wish that we had seen more of him, which I'm going to get into that in just a little bit. Um, but then also, I do think it's kind of dumb, but I did enjoy how they made the logo for the movie, the Fant 4 stick. Um, it's dumb, but if you know me at all, you know that I love dumb humor, so there we go. Tabitha, what worked for you? So like I said, this was not my first rodeo with this movie. Um, I did see this in 2015 when it came out in the theater, and I enjoyed the same things about it this time that I enjoyed the previous times that I have watched it. Um, you know me at all, I am a sucker for a backstory. Like, that's my biggest thing. I love, a, I love a backstory. And I had, going into this, the original time I saw it, I had absolutely no knowledge of Fantastic Four, and I was like, oh, this is so wholesome this is so nice. And then it wasn't nice anymore. And I was like, oh man, Reed Richards, you suck. Like, you're a bad friend, man. Um, but no, I think this has some really great humor. And to watch the grow up of these kids into being nerdy kids into nerdy adults who accidentally got superpowers, like, I think that's how I would probably act too. Like, if I randomly stumbled on superpowers, we all know that I would be basically Reed Richards. Um, <laughs> I would just be really uncomfortable, but I'd be like, okay, I gotta do good things. However, uh, unfortunately, we live in a world where I tend to relate more to the villain in most stories. This one included, like, one of my favorite parts of this movie is uh, Victor Von Doom um, and his uh, method, his uh, motivation for why he is the villain, like, stop destroying the world. Oh, you're not going to destroy my world too? Like, I get that. It's kind of like how, you know, I have a fair amount of times have thought, oh, you know, Thanos was right. Like, sometimes I think Dr. <laughs> Doom is right. So, nothing's changed for me. <laughs> All 
All right, so before we get into uh, what we didn't like about this movie, I want to turn to you guys. Was there anything about this movie, if you've seen it before, that you're like, okay, I can get behind this? That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so, like I said, um, yeah, there there were some good things. There were some not-so-good things. Uh, Lydia, we're going to start with you this round. She's got a list. I do. I literally took notes throughout this movie, and hardly any of them are good. Um, so, first off, the kids that they have acting in this, I do not like any of them, and I hate to say that about children, but oh my god, they were annoying. Um, also, I'm homeschooled, so I don't have a full, complete knowledge of this, but it's like, is it just customary for teachers to be dicks to the nerdy kid? Because that dude was such a jerk and for no reason and then I realized as I'm sitting there watching it I literally stopped the movie to see where I was time wise I'm, I'm 48 minutes into this movie and we are not anywhere near them being fantastic yet what is going on like, they took way too long to explain how we got from point A to point B and while I'm with you I love a good backstory we took way too long to get there Also, can we talk about the fact that, oh, we built this machine and it completely failed and caused these four kids to either be killed or get weird powers or all this stuff. Let's rebuild it and rebuild it the exact same way the second time around so we can try to go back to this place. Uh, they made it ugly. Oh, they made it ugly, yeah. <laughs> I feel like this movie tried to take itself too seriously almost like what I know of the Fantastic Four it is slapstick it is corny to a fault at times and they tried to go too far in the opposite direction up until the very end where they're like oh we saved the day we're the Fantastic Four we need a name let's all be corny and make stupid jokes and end the whole movie on this stupid roll credits of I've got the name title scene you waited too long to be funny movies. Just, no. So, I agree with you on, on many points. Um, I try not to be hard on child actors, but I did not like Young Reed and Young Ben. Uh, they just, especially Young Reed, he just was not doing it for me. Um, it kind of bugged me in 2015, and it still kind of bugs me. I don't understand why Sue was adopted in this, especially like outside of a couple of throwaway lines, it adds nothing to the story for me. Um, and while I'm glad, speaking of Sue, I'm glad that you know Reed didn't forget about BFF Ben. Um, it kind of irked me that you know like they built this thing with you know with Sue and she does all this work and helps them out and everything, but like in their drunken stupor, nobody thought to be like, hey. Let's get Sue on board. No, they go with like this guy that you know literally only Reed knows, and like everybody else is like, okay, cool, whatever. Um, can we get the thing some pants, please? Please, can we get him some pants? Um, and Matt, you said that you enjoyed the CGI. The CGI in this movie is trash with a capital T, um, especially Human Torch. I mean. Granted, like I said, a lot of things have changed in the eight years that this movie has been out. Um, and so, yes, things have progressed a lot. But, like, even by 2015 standards, like, his human flame, human torch was just, I wasn't feeling it. 
Um, we are less than 30 minutes. We have less than 30 minutes left in this movie, and we are finally just now seeing Doom. Um, also, with less than 30 minutes in the movie, the thing still doesn't have pants. <laughs> like, I would have enjoyed, I, I think that for this first movie, and I know that they were planning on doing a sequel, and they didn't do a sequel, but I would have enjoyed more so if the, the bad guy for this first movie wasn't Doom. Like, I would have been okay if, like, if we didn't see Victor at all for the rest of this movie until, like, maybe, like, a post-credits scene. He comes back, and then he's the big bad guy for the second movie. Um, I don't really know who the bad guy for the first film would have been, but, like, we could have figured something out. Um, also, Doom is on this planet by himself. There's really nothing else going on. How, how, does, he get, how does he get that headscarf? How does this happen? It really irked me. Um, and you're right, Lydia. The movie, the ending was so cheesy. And I I love cheesy humor. But... You broke it. I broke it. Okay. Well, can you all hear us? Yes. Okay, cool. So, um... <laughs> okay. We're going to try this. We're, we're just going to see what happens. Um, but yeah, like... Ben goes like, oh yes, this whole thing, it's its actually kind of fantastic. And then Reed's like, I got it. You ready? Fantastic. It's like, oh, come on. But anyway, um, Tabitha, what didn't work out for you? Um, my only note of things that I really did not like, uh, it literally just says Kate Mara's hair is the worst part of this movie. Um, that wig upsets me on so many levels. Because there's a couple of scenes, like I'm kind of a stickler for continuity when I watch movies. That wig shifts from being up on her face to back on her face to over here, over here, within like 30 seconds in like multiple scenes. Am I working now? Can I talk about Kate Mara's hair but louder? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so her hair shifting around um, bothers me. And I keep I can't stop thinking about it now. Um, there's multiple scenes where it's doing that, and then there's also multiple scenes where her hair is like behind her ear, and then the camera turns and her hair is in front of her ear, and I couldn't unsee it, and so it happened so frequently that I kind of stopped paying attention to what was happening in the movie, and I'm like, where's her hair gonna be in the next scene? And I'm waiting. I'm like, oh, it's right. No, it's not. Never mind. Like it. Uh. Um, also, the CGI was uh, not great. There were some problems. It's you know, it's an older movie at this point. I do remember even when I saw it in the theaters thinking they couldn't have done a little bit better of a job. However, the thing that they did a really good job with with the CGI was the rock elevators that the thing was creating for people as they were running away. I will no longer be taking stairs. I will only be taking rock elevators from now on. Um, I don't think he needed pants though, because then he would just look like Hulk with psoriasis. <laughs> the thing wears pants though. But he doesn't need the pants. Everybody needs pants <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> At the end of the day, I don't have a whole lot of bad things to say about this movie, because when I watch a movie, I'm trying to not watch it with a super critical eye, and I was talking to Matt about this. Like, once I've seen a movie, watching it the next couple of times or ever watching it again, if I've enjoyed that first round of it, it's so hard for me to watch it with the critical eye again. So watching this for this episode of the podcast was like really complicated because I kept trying to think like, 
would I not like that if I hadn't seen this before? I don't know, because I like it now. It's hard for me to be critical, so, which is weird. Um, <laughs> I don't have a lot to say. So, my first note about things that I did not like about this, um, can anybody answer me why Dr. Storm is trolling a high school science fair? Like, why? What is a Dr. Storm character had trolled my high school science fair, I wouldn't be in this room, so. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. But, like, why? How? Like, what, what keyed him in that, you know, Reed and Ben were going to have this machine at this science fair? Also, the kid that he gets the airplane from, that kid's like eight years old. So, is Reed competing against eight-year-olds in this science fair? competing here and if he's competing against eight-year-olds he's sure as hell gonna win i'm so glad you mentioned that because i was thinking okay is this just normal is there just like multiple grades in this like science fair is that a normal thing that happens but i guess not i was so confused by that i'm like who's who, who, who's go, what's going on here um i know that i commented that the cgi wasn't that bad but the environmental CGI when they get to Planet Zero is that that particular moment is is awful. It's like 100% green screen. You can tell. It's like they put miniatures in front of you know like in front of the green screen. Yeah, that that was bad. Um, you know they built this machine once. It went poorly. They built it again. And for some reason, the first time, they thought it was a good idea to build it in the middle of New York. Like, why? Why would you build anything like that in the middle of the New York? In, in the middle of New York? So it blows up, and it takes out the entirety of Manhattan Island's power supply. Well, duh. Like, then they move everybody to that secret base, Area 57. Like, this is where everything should have taken place to begin with. You guys are idiots. Um... I'm a stickler for plot holes, and the biggest one here is Johnny's arm. Did anybody else catch that? Oh, yeah. Johnny Storm breaks his arm, and two days later, he's welding. That's not how, did you weld your arm back together? Dude, that's not how that works. Oh, <laughs> um, moving forward yet again in the movie, who thought putting the, the thing in covert ops was even a, a, a possibility. The thing is in no way, shape, or form, quite literally, covert. So, like, that, that, what's his name? Alan gets up in front of that panel, and he's like, yeah, he's doing covert ops. He's slamming down in the middle of a jungle. That is not covert at all. Um, and then, I know, Mitch, you mentioned this as well with Dr. Doom. Why was that battle and like the the, the whole that whole sequence that everything with Doctor Doom? Why did that take fifteen minutes of this two-hour movie? Like that should have been a much like I understand they played well off with Reed and Victor like that that dichotomy did I think play well um, with both the actors and the story, but at the same time like. They go back to this planet, and all of a sudden, hey, you got 15 minutes where Dr. Doom is pissed off, which, by the way, his design is god-awful. 
Like, who thought that was a good design? Like, just melt stuff to his face? No. Um, but yeah, that battle should have been much longer and much more drawn. Also, one thing that I didn't even notice until I was doing a little bit of research, but like, we didn't even have a Stanley cameo in this. He he cameoed in other movies, in in the Spider Mans. Yeah. So, all right. So we kind of talked about before, like how you know, like some of us have seen this before, and how this holds up to previous you know viewings or whatever. Um, for me, this is my first and likely only time watching this movie. Um, Tabitha, I'd watch it again. <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those, like, it would almost be a good background movie for me and, like, put it on and do something else and, like, catch everyone's song and be like, oh, uh, I know what's happening. And like Matt said, it does have a really good soundtrack. It has enough quippy humor to, like, keep me, like, not super feeling super, like, oh, the whole time. I don't know. Like I said, I'd watch it again. I'd watch it again right now. <laughs> so we've run across this a lot, and... I don't know that I would seek this movie out to watch it again, um, but if we were back in the world where you just flip channels and something was on and I needed something for background, would I watch it? Absolutely. Am I going to like pull up Disney Plus and start this intentionally? Probably not. So this is the first time that I watched this one. I probably will watch it one more time so that Kevin can see and I can gripe to him about how awful some of this is. But, kind of how I mentioned earlier, I would much rather go back and watch the other two live action ones, which we actually did last night. We watched the first one of that because our internet went out, so we just pulled that DVD out and watched it last night. I would much rather go back and watch those than just sit down intentionally to watch this one again. All right, so now it is time for us to decide if this movie is a guilty pleasure or a dumpster fire, um, and we are going to ask your uh, your opinion as well, so now's your chance, uh, but to start things off, let's start with Tabitha. I think we all know my answer. This is obviously a guilty pleasure film for me. So despite the laundry list of things that I did find wrong with this, um, this will be a guilty pleasure. I disagree. I'm going to go with this is a dumpster fire started by throwing the Human Torch's crappy CGI body into that dumpster. <laughs> he's dead. I don't think he still flames. <laughs> um, yeah, I 100% agree with Lydia. Although that is that's maybe taking a little bit too far. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, this movie is definitely a dumpster fire. We are tied. So what do you guys think? If you've seen this movie before, obviously you have your opinion. If you haven't, um, take our opinions with the biggest grain of salt. But um, is 2015's Fantastic Four, Fantastic um, a guilty pleasure or a dumpster fire? So I think we are, we are, they all agree with us, with me and Lydia. It's all right. It's okay. Fantastic Four, it is a dumpster fire, 100%. So, before we wrap up, do you guys do you guys have any questions for us, whether about Fantastic Four or anything? 
We're not really good at life advice, but we will take a stab at it. Well, listen, I'm just saying, if there ever was a sequel made, the film should have been Mole Man. Mole Man, oh yes, oh yes. I always forget about Mole Man. I like him. Because he's underground. <laughs> Anybody else? Yes. Oh, favorite bad movies. My favorite bad movie is Starship Troopers, and it will always be the best movie that's ever been created. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> um, for me, uh, Snakes on a Plane. Although I will say, I saw Cocaine Bear last weekend and i am sure that that is going to be right up there um that's going to be a cult classic mark my words uh favorite bad movie um i'm gonna get crap for this but and i don't care um tron <laughs> which one i like both of them i i mean yeah i like both of them i don't know what to say I had to actually pull up my like guilty pleasure dump surprise we've done to realize this, but uh, probably Earth Girls are easy because it's so bad, but it has such nostalgia for me. I will always go back and watch that movie no matter how stupid it is. All right, anybody else? All right, so thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, in case you missed it at the beginning, uh, we are the Geek Awakens podcast from Springfield, Illinois. Um, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and thanks to Tabitha as of today, TikTok, um, <laughs> at the Geek Awakens Podcast. Uh, we're also on Twitter, at Geek Awakens. Uh, special thanks to PeoriaCon for letting us geek out for a bit. And the cosplay contest is coming up next. Uh, that is super exciting, so check that out. Uh, have a great con, everybody. That's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. It would be a shame if you didn't follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Geek Awakens Podcast or on Twitter at Geek Awakens. Theme music created and produced by E. Cannon Beats. Our logo was designed by Shay McCain. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. We're boldly gone.